Hey everyone, Ron Garen here. First, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Orbital Perspective podcast. What started out as a discussion around sheltering in place almost a year ago has turned into a discussion platform centered around making our world and our future better for everyone. Let's keep that discussion going. I also wanted to let you know that my next book, Floating in Darkness, A Journey of Evolution, launches on May 4th of this year. It's the sequel to my first book, The Orbital Perspective, and goes much deeper into solving the challenges that our world faces and how we can come together as one to create solutions. It's part autobiography, part action movie, part love story, with a message of unity that I would like to share with the world. For my loyal podcast listeners, I'm offering a 25% discount off the retail price. To get the savings, simply go to floatingindarkness.com forward slash order and enter the code PODCAST to save 25%. It's good for the next 48 hours, and it's my way of saying thanks for joining me on this incredible journey towards a better future. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Orbital Perspective Podcast, where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is that they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. Welcome to another episode of the Orbital Perspective. I'm glad you're here. Um, I don't think I have to tell anyone 
that we're living through some very challenging times right now. And I have an incredible guest today who has also lived through very dark and challenging times, but has proven through that experience uh, the resiliency, the strength of the human spirit. And uh, I'm really excited uh, for this conversation. Again, it's not just a conversation between two people. It's a conversation amongst all of us. So join in this conversation. And we have so much we want to talk about. I want to jump right into it. So let me please introduce Arthur DeBroshi. Arthur DeBroshi was born in Kosovo and grew up there during the Kosovo War. As a war refugee in 1999, she worked with the International Medical Corps to help build a hospital in a refugee camp in Macedonia. After the war, she worked with NATO troops in Kosovo, helping people relocate into their homes. She attended the Pristina Academy of Arts, where she performed in numerous theater plays and short films. Arda Debroshi shot to international fame for her depiction of Lorna in The Silence of Lorna and was nominated in Cannes for her remarkable work in that role. Throughout the many film roles of her career, Arda has been recognized with a wide variety of awards, including Best Actress at the European Academy Awards, the Barbara Tipple Best Actress Award, the European Shooting Star Award, and multiple additional international Best Actress Awards. Arda currently stars in the AMC Sky Atlantic series, Gangs of London, and will also star in an upcoming film titled Emily. In 2020, Arda was decorated by the French government with the Medal of Knighthood of Arts and Letters for her contribution to the arts, placing her in the company of other recipients, including Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, and Uma Thurman. Arda is an international advocate for peace and speaks on the topic of human rights throughout the world. Hi, Arda. How are you? Hi, great. Thank you for the beautiful introduction. Well, that was an easy one to put together. So, <laughs> so you're joining us from Pristina in Kosovo. So yes. welcome, welcome. Uh, it's Thank uh, you. I'm so happy to be here and to have a conversation. Like you say, it's a conversation amongst all of us and amongst two of us, but also all of us. So I'm really, uh, I feel very joyful that I can be here. Well, I want to start off by saying happy Independence Day. Today is Independence Day. So yes, today today is Independence Day. It was uh, on, declared two thousand and eight, uh, and uh, it was a big day, like for for us. So because it was the first time to really be free completely, and uh, and to experience that in a lifetime, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, it makes you appreciate everything more. Exactly. Well, we're going to get into all of that. Again, this is, uh, as everybody knows, not an interview. So it's, we're just going to have a chat. Uh, so, you know, as, as two friends getting together, having coffee, although you're at the time it is in Pristina, it would be wine for you and coffee for me. Um, yes. You know, we haven't seen each other for a while. Um, last time we saw each other in person was probably two years ago, I guess. Uh, or yeah. you're, uh, certainly before the pandemic, obviously. And uh, you, your haircut's a little different from the last time I saw you. Yes, well, I I, <laughs> I gave birth to my to my son Angel like seven months ago, and uh, I I always wanted to cut my hair very short, but never had the courage. And after the birth, I just became more maybe courageous, and I was like, I'm just gonna cut my hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So it feels good. It feels very good, like free. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. You, look, you look cool. So let's let's go back in time a little bit um, because one of the one of the things that really struck me about your story uh, is how even in the darkest times you could shine, you could be a light in the world, and uh, and you and it's the growth that occurs in those dark times can be really extraordinary. So if you don't mind sharing, can you take us back to, to growing up in Pristina uh, during the war, uh, actually before the war and then during the war and, and what that was like? Yeah, well, uh, you know, since I remember myself, I remember the war, you know, on and off, on and off. And uh, the like you said, the interesting thing about those times, and I, I think it's also thanks to my family and my parents, how they brought us up, is that no matter how the situation was, they tried to be joyful, so we were more joyful. So we we were not talking about the situation so much, so every day, because you had it, like sometimes it was very dangerous to go out in the street and go to school. So we wouldn't go to school for a month or so. And uh, so this is what I applied throughout my life. <laughs> this uh, feeling of joy, uh, unconditional feeling of joy of happiness, no mm. matter what, mm. uh, unconditionally. And right. I know, I mean, it's easy to say, but when you're in the situation, it's, of course, it's hard. But after a while, you, you, I guess you practice this feeling and then you learn that the feeling is the most important thing. At least yeah. that's what I learned. And we had like crazy situation, you know, Kosovo was occupied by the Serbian regime for a long time and, uh, I remember going out and protesting for peace peacefully with my family when I was very little, like maybe 12 or 13, and uh, having just a candle in my hand, and then you had the militia around with guns. It just uh, when I speak about it today, it sounds like a movie. Mm. When you're living it, you don't see it that way because yeah. you're living it. But when now it's over, in 1999, the war was over. So now it all seems surreal that. I'm so young and I experienced that, like, uh, so, and the, and it, like today the country is free and very positive, like as a whole, people are, there's a word which people say, whatever happens, oh, may, may you have health, it's mm -hmm. schnosh, so it doesn't matter, like, uh, whatever happens, so people in general are very positive. Yeah. And I think that, uh, to link it with a pandemic, it it, uh, it helps <laughs> in these times. Yeah, I think there's so many things from your experience that we can learn from and apply to this situation that we're in right now. You said you hadn't been to school in months, that months would go by without going to school. We're, that's happening right now. I mean, yes. you didn't have virtual learning back then, but but you're we're still, you know, students are, are – I, you know, I just saw a thing on the news last night about how much stress students are under because they don't have their their normal social um, interactions. Yeah. There's the, you know, the the folks that they can go to, and so yeah. um, I was wondering, is there any advice you can give those students around the world that uh, are are kind of suffering right now? Not kind of suffering, they're, they're suffering. Yeah, I, I think what comes in uh, mind is to to know that everything will be okay. Like. <laughs> I know it sounds like because um, people, it's it's true people are suffering and it is difficult. But 
this too shall pass there's the word you know which yeah. it, it, it correct and this yeah. too shall pass will pass and then everything will be as it was so for the time being maybe to even appreciate that you're in the house or cannot move to to start appreciating small things because this will not happen again which is a good thing like for a long time so to start appreciating if you're only with five people in the household or alone or just to start doing things which you would never do yeah, yeah. In, and will never do when all this uh, goes away and also to to really not depend your state of being on the situation mm -hmm. so you yeah. can wake up and feel joyfully right even <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point that you brought up because you know you started out by saying this too shall pass, which also means not only will the challenging and 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 painful times pass, but this opportunity this opportunity will pass too. We have an opportunity yes. right now. This that may never come again. Well, I mean, hopefully it never comes again because of this reason. But yes, you know, so, some of the, the some of the situations that we're in have can serve as a great opportunity um to yes to i mean for myself i'm uh i gave birth seven months ago and of course it's hard in the pandemic to have a child and everything but i i every day i try to see it as a positive in a way yeah you know to, to say i'm spending time with my baby okay i cannot see so so many people but i i'm with him i, I i'm appreciating him so it was more time only us so you know you can always see the negative or the positive we have a choice i think what my advice would be is that when you wake up in the morning you have a choice how do you want to feel and uh, sometimes we feel bad you just have to feel bad and then you sleep and wake up you know feel better but we do have a choice on our uh, how we feel yeah and even i'm saying it so uh, I'm so confident about what I'm saying because I live through war. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and uh, when when you live through war and you have bombs next to your house and then people shooting at you, and still you are managing to have a laugh yeah. with your friends or family, then that's why I'm saying it's w w in such a confident way. Yeah, I mean, you have credibility. You've been there. And so, yeah. so people that are struggling right now and think, well, you know, Arda doesn't know, you know, she doesn't know what I'm going through. That's true. She doesn't, but she's been through a, a lot. And maybe let's let's talk about that a little bit. Some of the some of the aftermath and some of the other things that happened. But before we do, I'm going to send out another plead. Is that the right word? <laughs> request? <laughs> request. We want you as part of this conversation. So join us. Give us your questions and comments. But the during at some point during the war, uh, you were relocated to uh, Macedonia to a refugee camp. Um, yes. Can you walk us through that? How that happened, and and what was like like in the camp, life life like? Yeah, in the camp? I mean, first, first I didn't want to leave. I, I remember it very clearly. It was so dangerous, and I didn't want to leave because my father wanted to stay in Kosovo, and I just said I'm not leaving. But you know, my parents were like convincing me that something like you should leave because something really bad can happen to you. And they kind of forced me to leave. So I left and uh, immediately started working with this International Medical Corps. And it was... And how old were you then when you left? Say it again. How old were you at the time when you left? I was, uh, I was 18. Okay. 
And, and it was just you, you and your brother or? It was me, my two brothers and my mom. Okay. And my dad stayed and then the rest of the family stayed and uh, it, like we went in a car. It's just like in a movie, like yeah. a situation which you don't want to be in. And then you leave, you have no money. Basically, you just, uh, you're 18, you start working. And the, the interesting thing is that we started working for the camp and immediately you get in the, because we, we were brought up like that to be positive. Everyone in the camp was very positive. You know, right. in a, it, it's, it's crazy, but people were trying to see the good even in the worst situation. Mm. And that I really, I think it had a lot to do with us having peace today and overcoming all the uh, hardship. So the, the camp were like every day we would receive a lot of people uh, in our hospital. And uh, I, I'm actually still friends with one of the doctors. Uh, she's American. Her name is Lisa Torak. And I saw her last year. I went in Maine uh, to visit her. Amazing. And uh, I, I was assisting her. She, she was uh, doing surgeries. So just surreal situations on, uh, but, but I guess in the hardest of times, we, uh, you, <laughs> you are the most positive. And even people today, when they say, I'm going to help, I'm going to go to a refugee camp and help them. And I say to them, the, the most important thing is for you to be strong and positive, not to feel sorry about them. Yeah. Because you, know, you don't need anyone feeling sorry about you at that situation, you know, because you're so strong. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's study after study that shows that practicing gratitude, practicing a positive mindset, practicing altruism helps the body. It boosts the immune system. It makes you more resilient. It makes you stronger. Um, so it's 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 definitely good advice. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and it, it could be applied in every day, and especially now with the pandemic. I mean, yeah. especially now because. Like you, when we did the technical test, when you said taking refuge, even like now we're taking refuge in this pandemic. And it's true. It's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing. You cannot leave your house. I, I didn't see like my auntie for six months. I only saw her uh, uh, two weeks ago, like with yeah. the mask, of course. And uh, still it's hard, but yeah. uh, I know that this will pass and everything will be okay. And somehow... Yeah, when you lived it, it's easier. That's why I can see people here in Kosovo are living it in a more easy way. Mm -hmm. We're used to not having water, electricity, yeah. not leaving the house. It's people are used to that. Yeah. So, so it's interesting the decision making back then of your with your parents. Um, so basically, they they came up with the conclusion that staying in the home is more dangerous than taking the dangerous trip to yes. another country and becoming a refugee so yes. can you can you talk about that this i mean were you part of that decision or were you just basically told this is what's going to happen oh no we were well not told they were like we're leaving and of course you you could decide i was 18 but they convinced us that it's better for us to leave and yeah. it was better yeah because uh, it was uh, when you see images of trains leaving it was like when you see Jewish people leaving from Germany, yeah. the same images. And uh, it was the same feeling. Now when I'm speaking, I'm having goosebumps. And of course I, I'm, I yeah. get a bit emotional because it, it is 
still emotional for me what happened and uh that's why i think it's you know when people say it's good for for people who did wrong to to apologize and then do that forgiveness i think that's a good process for each household or country or or world (laughs) in order for you to move on and uh yeah so when we left it was yeah a joint decision and uh, the the interesting thing is that we left we were in the refugee camp and then we heard that uh basically milosevic the the former leader uh, gave up i remember i was in a camp it was very late i we were hearing the radio as if it's world war ii like that sort of scenery and then they were like he gives up and immediately i think of how can i go back in kosovo to see my dad and i heard that nato forces were hiring translators so i wrote my name and my brother's name and they called us and we didn't even tell our mom only our little brother we were like we're leaving and we left with forces and we had this 24 hour in macedonia we were hurrying up that we're going to go in kosovo and then we didn't go in and the, the the troops the british troops said this is called hurry up and wait <laughs> so in yeah. the army yeah, yeah and we were we hurried up and then waited for 24 hours and yeah. then when we went in it was still war going on and so but when you're living it it doesn't seem so extreme it's so interesting how we as right. humans are made right uh, you can experience like and go through anything and still be strong. So what do you think you brought from those experiences? What, I mean, I'm sure that those experiences to some extent shaped who you would become. hundred percent. Can you speak to that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very clear actually what I uh, brought from your intro, this worldview, the orbital perspective. You know, all along while living through the war, we as a country would say and send messages with our energy and resonance to the world saying we're the same. We are the world. We are you. We are the same. We are one. We are one. We're living all in the same planet, traveling through space together. Like we're traveling. You and me now are traveling together in a way. We're crewmates. Say? We're crewmates on Spaceship Earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is what what it and now with the pandemic, I think everyone can see that yeah. how we're all in this together in the same. And if it happens somewhere far away from you, it doesn't matter that it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. It will affect you. Yeah. So we should care about one another more yeah. and uh, feel more empathy and compassion and love. And because uh, I think all of and I think the world is moving towards that. Exactly. Like you can see with the elections in uh, the States, you can see in the elections in Kosovo now, the world is moving more towards that uh people feeling for one another more, helping one another. Like if someone falls, help them. Yeah. Don't be afraid, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if they don't look like you, still they are like you, exactly. <laughs> you know. It's, uh, I mean, so this it's... is what what this experience of uh, going through war brought uh, me and uh, I can bring to the world is that to really know that. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. It's good. I remembered. I I had a small speech in the can about refugees. 
and because uh, I wanted to see how similar we are and we're, we're the same. And I, I said, because at the end of the day, everyone wants to be joyful and happy in the world. That's the main thing, right? At the end of the day, in the beginning, you want to be happy. So I said, my name is Arta Dabroshi, my nationality is happy, and I live in a city called Earth. Because yeah. that's how I feel. And maybe, maybe in maybe in 100 or 200 years, we are going to feel that more and more. Yeah, I, I remember These, that. I remember that speech and how powerful it was. Yeah, and the 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 vision of like you you can say a bit about that. Like the division of countries from space, I think for me I wasn't in space, but it's strange how we divide ourselves. Like I'm from here and you're from there, and we're fighting. I mean, how how did that feel for you, being in space and having that outlook? Yeah, I mean, I had it easy. I had a, <laughs> I had the undeniable picture. But, you know, one of the things that I say over and over and over again, and I believe it with every fiber of my being, is that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. And you are a perfect yes. example of that, uh, of, of, how, of how you lived your life. And, yeah, everything that you said uh, about our oneness and, and how we're all in this together and we're riding through the universe together, all of that is undeniably true, uh, unmistakable. Uh, from the vantage point of space. It, it, it's like, yeah, of course, duh. All that stuff that we fight over so, and, and quarrel over and think is so important is is ultimate stupidity. I mean, it's the, the way we treat each other and everything. And, you know, this this idea of one human family, I've been really thinking about that. And I, and I write a lot about that in my, in my new book about what that means. What does it mean, one human family? And in, in the most literal terms, it means if we go back far enough, each enough, each and every one of us came from the same mother and father. We are literally related. We're literally part of the same family. But that unity goes beyond the physicality of DNA. There's an underlying unity beyond that, which we don't normally take into our consideration. That's what that's what you're tapping into. You're tapping into yes. the fact that when we help somebody, when we when somebody falls and we lift them up, we're not being really in the big scheme of things, we're not being any more altruistic than we are to our hand when we pull it back from a hot stove, right? Because yes. that's, we're lifting ourselves up when we do that. We've got a lot of comments and I want to pop some of them up. This one's from Luke. Uh, incredible to he uh, hear, feel some, uh, such hope from the soul of someone who has survived the most heinous of what our existence may bring war. Uh, and he agrees with me about your credibility and then goes on to say, Thank you, Arta, for your candidness, wisdom, grace, and poise. Truly very, very inspiring. So grateful to be listening. And then we've got another one from uh, Remora. It's difficult. So this is here's something that we could maybe shift our conversation towards. It's, it's difficult to forgive some of those who represent um, the other side. If, if so, how healing would you how healing would you consider it to take that step? Oh, how healing is it when you take that step of forgiveness? Because I'm sure that, I mean, there's a, in every war, there's there's a lot of for forgiveness that's required in order for reconciliation, in order to move forward, in order to, to get beyond the horrors. Because if we don't, we just get into this constant cycle of violence, right? Yes, yes. I guess, it, I guess it's, uh, was it, was it uh, Gandhi that said, uh, you know, an eye for an eye eventually leads to everybody being blind <laughs> or something like that? Or? Yeah. I think forgiveness is also to do with letting go. Yeah. Letting go, because it doesn't mean people will apologize. A country will say, I'm sorry, or, or a person or a friend. But 
I think it's more a decision, our decision as individuals or as a country or a state to let go of whatever happened and move on. Because then we're, we're lighter, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Really, you feel lighter. Like uh, in, in any situation, when you forgive, uh, uh, like in Albanian, forgive, it's mefal. Fall is literally to, yeah, to, to give some, yeah, to give someone something forever. You're like, here, it's yours forever. Mm -hmm. I give it to you. Mm -hmm. So, and it, it's true. You give them, you're like, here, it's yours. I, I give it to you. I, I'm, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, know, it's healing. It's healing. Yeah. You know, surrender, surrender is such a, it's, people view the word surrender as a, as a very negative word sometimes. Right. Oh yeah. But it was sur surrender. And it, it, it is an incredibly powerful word, I think. Because surrender means giving things up, right? And when you're and you're when you're surrendering things that are harming you, that are holding you, that are weighing you down, uh, that's what's that's what's required. And I, you know, I think that two most powerful, two of the most powerful phrases in the world are, "I was wrong," and <laughs> "and I forgive you." And neither one of those, I think, is dependent on the other. And so you can forgive somebody even though they don't say I was wrong or they don't acknowledge they were wrong because it's not about them. It's about you. It's about yes. how you're. So, so if you, if you fail to forgive, then you're, then you continue to be a victim. When you, yes. the moment you forgive is the moment you start on the path to no longer be a victim. Right. And yes. that doesn't mean you condone what they say that what they've done or said, it doesn't mean that it's okay. It doesn't mean that you forget about it. Uh, but it means that I'm going to apply the lesson that that unfortunately taught me or not unfortunately, but that that in reality taught me. And I'm going to move on with my life using that as a strength uh, and using that you're, as, you're as part so of right. You're so right. I mean, this people could learn from this and I'm learning also from, from what you said. And what, what, when you said surrender, it made me want to talk about something <laughs> go for it. It inspired me. Go for it. <laughs> so it's because uh, uh, when you said what advice could you give people going through COVID times now and through the pandemic, it's also so important to make peace with uh, the situation you're in. Yeah. I think when we make peace with where we're at and we – yeah, you make just peace and then you're good with that, no matter what it is, then things start shifting. Yeah. And uh, I, I experienced it myself, like through war and through everything else. And uh, you just make peace and it's okay. Whatever you're, wherever you're at, it's okay. You know, make yeah. peace and then calm down. Don't, don't want to be somewhere else because <laughs> it's a, Tricky situation when you you always want to be somewhere else, you know. You, then we forget this this moment. Like, imagine me being now talking to you and wanting to be somewhere else. Yeah. Then I would not appreciate this moment. And appreciating is the richness of life, you know. Appreciating, loving, uh, being grateful, all the positive <laughs> words yeah. that I can imagine is life. And I I think we notice that when we lose someone like a dear one mm -hmm. uh when we lose someone we see that 
oh my god first it's not the body because you see the body but the human being is not there and you're like oh my god it was that exchange between us the love that was that that's why we're here and right. uh, exactly. i think we can shift any situation in life i mean i know some some people might say oh it's easy to say it and and it's true for me too i i find myself in situations where i cannot change it you know and uh, but then the next day i try to change it yeah you know it's interesting because what you're what you're talking is the true path to being able to get through all this stuff and not only to get through it, but to thrive and come out the other end, you know, stronger, more resilient, uh, better able to handle anything else that comes at us. But what we're really, really good at is, is dwelling on the past of what happened in the past is, is worrying excessively about what might happen in the future and denying what's happening now or refusing to accept what's happening now. So, the first step is exactly what you just said, to make peace with right now, because yes. you can't change it. It already is. There's absolutely nothing you can do to change no. what is. You can change what will happen, and you do that right with what you do with right now. And yes. if you do that from a positive mindset, you're going to have a, a much better what will happen next. If you do it from a, a mindset of denial and resistance and, you know, every every other negative uh, emotion you could think of, oh, that's what you're going to manifest. You're going to manifest that in um, out the other side. And so I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more on, on, on taking that. And manifesting now, I'm, I'm going to connect it with the, what my career and my passion, what I do. And it's a good connection. It's when I was 17 and then 18, you know, I started going to the uh, acting school and I was always saying, oh, I'm going to work all over the world. I'm going to work, you know, you know, I'm, I'm from the world. I'm from Earth. I would say this. And I would say this in a situation where we couldn't leave the country. Mm. And, uh, of course, some people would say, are you crazy? You know, you yeah. cannot sometimes <laughs> leave the Academy of Arts because it's so dangerous to go on the streets. And you're saying you're going to work all over the world. And But I really felt it. And... Uh, and then that feeling and that dream and that passion, I always kept it alive and still keep it. And then things started happening according to my imag imagination, I guess. And, uh, and, and I believe in that because I've lived it and I'm still living it. Uh, you know, the, what we dream or feel positively and negatively does so we, we we do create <laughs> create it you know it it sounds maybe maybe it sounds strange because we cannot see it or uh, but but i believe in it 100 percent. i believe in it 100 percent. that that because i was saying it all along and then i finished the academy then i did one movie second movie and then somehow i could always feel what's coming in a way and mm. but and was feeling that everything is okay, everything is okay, and still do to this day. So, I mean, a, a lot of people uh, in the in the entertainment industry, I guess, would characterize uh, your success as fairly quick, you know, quickly that that you rose pretty quickly to to international uh, recognition. Um, how much of your acting, of the of the of the art of your acting? 
comes from your your experience that you that you you know how do you do you draw on all those things that you that you went through younger in life? I'm sure. I mean, I cannot say it consciously because when you're acting, you're so present. But probably you you see it in each of my acting, uh, in each of my part. Probably you see it in my eyes. Like we can read. <laughs> people's lives in a way when we look at them in the eyes when you're acting in a movie or when you hang out with someone so i guess you you can feel that energy from me when i'm acting you know the maybe the compassion more than anything else Uh, and the acting is uh, the art of acting is a lot has a lot to do with compassion and empathy yeah Uh, and being present you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because I wanna I wanna pull on a thread here and see where it goes. What do you think of of coincidences? Do you believe in coincidences? Uh, I uh, yeah, I love the word and I use it a lot. I'm like, what a coincidence! And my grandmother used to say it a lot. Uh, I believe that we kind of make coincidences happen. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. it's, it's not like by accident that uh, things happen. Yeah. I, I believe that we are, uh, who said, the master of our fate. Or the, I read it la- last night, the poem, The Captain of Our Ship. What's the name of the poet? I forget. I forget. And, uh, but I, I do believe that there are no coincidences like, oh, it, it just happened without me knowing. And what a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was things happen because, yeah, it, 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 yeah, there are no coincidences. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's what I want to say. What about you? What do you feel? I, you know, it's funny. I never thought of this before, but every time I hear the word coincidence, I always imagine little air quotes around them because I don't believe in coincidences either. I think everything happens, ex- you know, for a reason, I guess, is, is maybe a simple way to say it. Uh, and I shouldn't say simple. It's hard to put into words why I don't believe in coincidences. I don't think that I can put into words uh, why that is. And I think a, a way to kind of fumble in the dark to explain it is everything happens for a reason, which is very, very inadequate to, to describe what I'm, what I'm really trying to say. Um, but, you know, there's so many pieces that uh, even the, the pieces that brought us together, uh, you know, the, the poem that you read uh, that I've, he- I've heard heard you read twice, once at the UN uh, about the moon. And, you know, just uh, just a really interesting coincidence is one of my former guests on this show, who is a, a good friend of mine. I-, I fought in combat with him. I was in a war with him uh, when we were captains. Uh, he was at the time Captain Dave Golfin. Uh, when he was Lieutenant Colonel Dave Golfin, uh, he was shot down by the Serbians uh, and uh, you know, was, was rescued in a daring, uh, rescue, um, during right at the time where you were probably, uh, you know, uh, becoming a refugee. Um, he went on to become the head of the United States air force as the chief of staff of the air force. Um, and, uh, he was, he was on a, as a guest before, but there's so many, you know, you meet people and, and there's so, and you start looking at all the different threads that, that tie you together. And, you know, there, it, it really highlights the truth that, you know, we, uh, we started out this conversation and I said, happy, happy Independence Day, because February 17th is the, is the yeah. day Kosovo got, got its independence um, or declared independence. Um, 
but I think as a planet, as a planet, that's a, that's the example of a nation, to, you know, celebrating its independence. But I think as a planetary species, we should be celebrating Interdependence Day, because yeah. the truth of the matter is is that we are all deeply, deeply interdependent. Not only interconnected, but interdependent, so that everything affects everything else. And you know, just you know, every single person you meet, you can find these threads that that. Yes. all together you know you don't have to be kevin bacon you know with this, <laughs> with this seven. are you familiar with that the six degrees of kevin like everybody can trace them, them. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but but that's true for no, but everyone. this time this time we're living you're right and this time shows that the pandemic shows that that everything is interdependent like something happens somewhere then in, like if this doesn't go away if this uh, uh pandemic if COVID doesn't go away in one country, it won't go away from the world. So right. everyone has to be healed. But this should, uh, we should practice this after the pandemic. Like countries, okay. leaders should practice this. Right. Uh, this uh, feeling of oneness and like you're saying, interdependence. And uh, I had this, uh, you know, the world peace jump I do for, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I did a lot of photos with different people. Uh, you been, also. We've been, in, we've been in zero G together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and with, I, I, I had an idea. I was like, I'm going to jump for world peace with uh, people around the world and also ambassadors from each country. Because I believe that through joy, we can achieve peace. We cannot achieve peace while we're struggling and going against war you have to be pro peace not against war it's, yeah. you're going for the same thing but uh, in a different energy yes. field and uh, so i did this exhibition for world peace uh, with all my photos of world peace jumping for world peace in paris and then i had all the ambassadors from different countries there and then i asked them to jump for world peace with me <laughs> for world peace because i believe that that will send a message and everyone was with the suit and it was so cute and everyone jumped i loved it i said and now after my speech i said can we please jump for world peace on one two three so everyone jumped like i don't know it's very powerful i i, I jumped with you as well as as well as some other great <laughs> friends of ours um, no, it's, it's, it's it, I agree a hundred percent. It's much, much more powerful to be for something than to be against something. Um, and you know, it, 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 I think it's a manifestation of what I believe the two major motivations of action are on the one hand. And what you see predominantly through the world right now is fear based action is, yes. is motivation from fear. The other one yes. is motivation from joy and love, or what I like to put into the bucket of what I call just describe as on wonder of on wonder. Right. And so that the peace jump that you did is yeah. trying to spur motiv motivation, try, trying to spur action through on wonder of shit, just yes. doing something joyous, silly, uh, fun, uh, and, and trying to, show. but the difference between those motivate, those two motivations, I believe is that fear is really, really powerful in motivating short-term action and not yes. long-term action, but on wonder, joy, peace, all the things that you're doing, that motivates long-term, lasting, enduring action. Um, yeah. uh, so, Luke, uh, by the way, I think the poem that you were trying to think of is in, in Viticus from Luke, if that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
I read it last night. I don't buy, by coincidence. <laughs> by not coincidence. <laughs> yeah, William Ernest Henley, I guess. Yeah, Ernest Henley. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So can, you, can I ask you? I, no. I wanted to. No, this is so, an interview. I'm interviewing you. Remember? <laughs> no. So uh, I always want to know the feeling you had the first time you left Earth. I mean, even speaking, you know, when we're speaking, I'm speaking like this, it just shows how one we are. Like the first time you left Earth, it's like saying the first time you left the States. Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, when you left, like, and you were seeing space, like what? I just want to know the feeling, like the, the, the first, like childish feeling. Yeah. What, so and, and yeah, looking through the stars and all, what, what, what was it which went into your mind? It, it was a very emotional experience um, with, with many, many different emotions. And a lot of the discernment of that experience has come through the years. My first mission was in 2008, right? So the same year that Kosovo became a, an independent nation. Wow. Right? And, um, and then my last one was in 2011. So it's been, you know, I'm coming up on the 10 year anniversary of my last launch into space. And so I, those 10 years have not been enough time to fully process. I don't think I'll ever fully process the experience. But one of the things that just dawned on me, um, and it went back to something you said before about that you're from Earth. Um, I don't think, I don't think we can ever, I don't think that's ever accurate to say that I'm from earth because you, you can, and you said when you left earth, I don't think we can leave earth. I think we are, I think we're not from earth. We're of earth. And so when we leave, if we go to space and we go to a star system, you know, millions of light years away, Earth is going, I mean, part of Earth is going there, if that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. But I didn't understand any of that when I launched into space for the first time. But what I, the emotional impact to me was one of, of unity, of gratitude, uh, of just overwhelming beauty, looking back, looking back at the planet and just seeing the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, indescribably beautiful thing. But right behind that just wave of beauty and just being immersed in this gratitude for the beauty was the realization that life on the planet is not as beautiful. When I was in space that first time, you were, you, oh, you were, well, you were, you weren't a refugee then. You were, you had already, that was before, but there was, I mean, I have so many examples of photographs that I've taken from earth, beautiful, gorgeous photographs where if you zoom into the microscopic details, there's a major conflict there. There's something going on. You know, I have this beautiful picture of the Mediterranean and, and what's beautiful about it is it's the deep blues of the Mediterranean and the dark tans of Northern Africa. And it's just this gorgeous picture. And I realized that I took it on the day that Tripoli fell in the Libyan civil war. And so if you were to zoom in to the microscopic details of that photograph, it's not that beautiful. You know, it's, ugly. it's ugly and sickening. Yeah. And so, that contradiction, that sobering contradiction, I don't, like I said, I don't think in the moment I would not have been able to put it in these words, but I had this like mixed emotion of gratitude and joy and beauty with this sadness, right? With this sense of injustice of it doesn't have to be this way, yeah. you know? And the other thing is, you know, we, we, we have so much power within us as a species to fix all the problems that we face, yet we don't. You know, I, I flew over a part of, of Africa 
um, where I spent some time, you know, working with orphans and working in a hospital and stuff. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. It's just so beautiful. And to think that, you know, on that continent, 5,000 children die every day because of waterborne diseases that we have an, a, an ability, a responsibility, an obligation to stop, yet we don't. That still happens day after day after day. And, you know, when something like this pandemic comes, then then the light bulb comes on. Oh, wow, we're, we really are all in this together. Maybe we should fix, get together and fix this. And we still can't even work together on something as obviously, um, uh, you know, wide affecting as is that. So I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> No, it's amazing to listen to you talk, and I'm sure other people are really appreciating uh, your, you sharing your uh, feelings of when you left Earth and all that you said. It's really all of it. <laughs> but that's why you write, you write books also, because it's just so good to have it on page and reread it, because it's always... It, I think it's good to know these things and remind ourselves each day, each morning to read something nice like this, to remind ourselves that we should appreciate, you know, right after what reminded me is what you said is right after war. And even now, sometimes I uh, catch myself walking down the street, no matter where I am, if I'm in uh, New York, London, Pristina, Paris, wherever, uh, appreciating walking freely because <laughs> we didn't have that you know we until 1999 you were walking and in fear afraid of your life every day and uh, so you got used to being afraid while walking and you saw walking as a luxury thing like uh, you know you it, you couldn't do it every time and uh, after 1999 all of a sudden you could walk freely everywhere and I don't think people realize if they haven't been through war and stuff like that, how amazing it is to walk with no fear. <laughs> I, I think you hit the nail on the head with this whole discussion because that really is the crux of the matter. And, and what I mean by that is we, as you describe, we are surrounded constantly by, by beauty, joy, by miracles, constantly. We have somehow learned how to ignore all that. And, yes. and, and actually, we've created a, a society where in order to function effectively in the society, we have to cordon off all that miraculous beauty. We have to put ourselves in a little box and ignore all that stuff so that we can, you know, pay the bills, get to get, you know, do our daily commutes, you know, do the whatever it is that, that, that we have to do. But I and it, this relates to going to space, I think, because. When I was getting ready to go for my six-month mission, I remember really starting to notice things and thinking, I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to experience this for the next six months. I'm not going to see the mist on the lake in the morning. I'm not going to feel the breeze in my face. Yeah. I'm not going to hear birds, yeah. you know, the, the song of birds. And when I came back from one, uh, I guess my first mission, I was, I was jogging through a park in Houston and I was just hit by the beauty of the park. Right. And uh -huh. everything else melted away. The, the sounds of the city, the sounds of other people. And I was just in this beauty. And it dawned on me that we 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 only think, treat things as beautiful when they're when we perceive them as unique. Right. Uh -huh. Going to space is something unique. Only like 500 yeah. people have ever done it in the history yes. of humanity. So 
that view from our planet from space is something that's very unique and people understand that it's beautiful. But a flower, if it's in a field of a, a million flowers, is still just as beautiful. And yes. just because we've learned to take it for granted. And I think what you're saying is the secret to, to having a happy life. It's, is to realize, to take the time to, to broaden our awareness, to take in the fact that we are surrounded constantly by beauty and, and, and uh, awesome. miracles. 100%. I mean, just the water that we have, tap water, you just turn the water on and you have water. <laughs> like, not, you, we didn't have water yeah. like that. Or electricity. Now, now, of course, you forget immediately, you forget. Even if you've been through war, you forget about and you start uh, un underappreciating things. Mm -hmm. You don't, you depreciate them, you don't appreciate them. But uh, it's good to, like you're saying, but what what made me think is that there are no small and unique things. Everything is amazing. Miracle. Everything is miraculous. Yeah, <laughs> miraculous. Even this bottle, like I'm, I'm drinking water now. Like who made it? Someone thought of it, and then I have the luxury to drink it. And it's just uh, the air we breathe. The, but that the walking part was so obvious to me and it is still it, it is still you know still i i have feelings of oh my god it's so nice and i i get very emotional when i see actually when i'm in kosova and i see people in the park let's say having fun i i get very emotional because i'm so happy for them mm. i'm like oh my god i'm so happy they can do this now or, or when i hear people have success from my country it's just because before you didn't have anything and you were always in danger for your life always like always so you said earlier in this conversation that that one of the some of the advice that you would give is every morning when you wake up to um basically you take have a, you you have every morning i think we have a choice and me too i have a choice how we want to feel i think of, so then you have different uh, this is a very concrete uh, advice like we, we can choose like you wake up and you're consciously you're like how do I want to feel today yeah. not how will the, if, if it's raining I'm going to feel bad if it's sunny I'm going to feel good but uh, no matter how it is I, I can feel how I want to feel right like I can control my feelings. Mm. I mean, someone else can really, let's say uh, you're walking down the street and someone shouts at you. I can't choose to feel bad or good. It's a choice. Yeah. And, and I too need to remind myself of this every day because it's a thing. Every day, you, it's a new day. You forget. You're like, you're caught up in your everyday life. But I think it, every day we have a choice and... and uh, of feeling how we want to feel we we are when people say you're uh we're like gods or and in a way i understand what they're saying because you can choose your your feelings no one else can for you even in war situations you yeah. can choose how you want to feel you know and then you have the power and not the people who are mm. uh like persecuting you or doing whatever to you then you take power i yeah. think this is very important I agree. And I think I think we should give everybody a homework assignment. So I think every, here's here's what I propose as a homework assignment. Every morning when you wake up, uh, 
the first thing you should think about is the fact that you're waking up into a beautiful, miraculous world, right? Then think about what situation am I waking up into? Am I waking up into a pandemic? Am I waking up into a war? Am I waking up into something that I wish wasn't happening? If the answer is yes, then say, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to do to benefit from this situation? What am I going to use? What am I going to appreciate because of the situation? And, you know, you talk about we, we had a conversation about students, about how they're going months without going to school and how it's causing all these problems. As long as I've been alive, I don't remember there being a mass, uh, you know, amount of students dying to go back to school, <laughs> you know, or you know, trying to get back to school. You know, it's always been something to avoid. Now, there, there may be, you know, a heightened appreciation for school, yeah, yeah, yeah. for school itself now. And, and all the, you know, all the things that you can do, all the clubs, all the sporting, all the learning, yeah. all, you know, all the, the social activities that, that are involved with school. So we can ch choose to say, okay, I'm not going to school today because of the pandemic or whatever, but I'm going to use that to appreciate school more. Uh, I haven't seen my grandmother in six months and I'm going to appreciate my grandmother today and look yeah. forward to the time. Cause I used to take it for granted when we went to grandma's house and it's saw grandma true, true. You know, and now I don't take it for granted. So think of all the things that you're no longer going to take for granted. Um, uh, and I, I that's, that's great advice. I mean, that's great. Uh, I, I should take notes also. <laughs> <laughs> it's all being recorded. Don't worry about it. So, okay, but we are we are getting close to, to the top of the hour. Uh, last call for questions um, uh, or comments as as we as we bring this to a close. Um, but let's let's talk about uh, your present career and what's going on right now. Let's talk about Gangs of London. Uh, very successful. Just got picked up for a second season, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's AMC and Sky Atlantic. So it's uh, AMC from the states and sky atlantic uk and uh, we shot it uh last year and it was amazing amazing cast and crew and i just feel so much appreciation on working with people like that for professional who love what they do uh, it's just i always say i won't always want to work with uh, people who who love what they do it's just so so beautiful so i'm happy to be part of that uh, family and uh, to continue and also i shot a film three months ago which was the first time i, I worked for a couple of days after having my son and uh, i was breastfeeding <laughs> i said to them i can only do it if i'm breastfeeding in between <laughs> scenes so it was a special experience for me uh, to shoot the film and uh, they all supported me, uh, so I was they glad. Angel, they should put Angel in the credits and say, all break. Yes, Angel, all yeah, yeah, all they should thank him for <laughs> I should let them know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, it, was, it was really nice. It was really nice. And uh, especially when everyone else supports you, you really, I mean, we're using a lot the word appreciation, and I think that's good. But I was really appreciating the support and love and, you know, they were waiting for me to breastfeed and then I would go back and forth and back and forth. And uh, it was really nice. Yeah. And uh, I, the more, and I, I believe the more we 
talk about and uh, say what we feel good about, the more of that will happen, or the opposite. You know, you, you create, uh, I mean, as we said before, even from extreme situations, you can create something really nice by imagining it. And, you know, it, when you say the word imagine, it's like images, like mm. movie images. Yeah. And we have images of what we want to do, so dreams, but if, you know, the word dreams, it's like, oh, they're not true. But they are, mm -hmm. for me, at least, they are true. Yeah. It's just you're seeing your future in a way. And then exactly. you have to continue believing that image and then keep it in your heart. You don't need to say it to anyone. You just feel it. You might sound crazy, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, Yeah. You know, it's interesting. All of these conversations I have um, from the orbital perspective all go really quick. But this one went really, really quick. Um, but one last thing I just want to say, because I'm really, really impressed with this, is I'm really impressed with your command of multiple languages. Because, you know, I studied, I studied Russian for 10 years. I had a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> PhD instructor. Uh, and if I open my mouth and try and speak Russian, people think I'm an idiot in Russia. Uh, you, you pick up one script and you, and you speak fluent French. So I, that, I just think that's amazing. The command of the language that you, that you have. Thank you. But it was, it's the same. It, it goes to what I'm saying. Uh, it's the also belief and the decision, you know, I was like, I like this script and I love the people and I'm going to learn it in two months. I'm going to learn French in two months. And it's that belief in what you're doing. And then, I, I believed it 100%. And I was, I, I convinced myself. Yeah. And then after two months, I, I started speaking French. I surprised myself. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can understand other people what they're saying, yeah. <laughs> this other yeah. language, because it happens so fast. But it, it is doable. And also, if you want to learn a language fast, what I re realized is you have to practice, you have to talk, because the mouth is a muscle. So mm. you have to speak it. Like, if you want to run, you have to, you know, run every day. So if you want to speak a new language, you have, even if you don't know what you're saying, just sing the songs in that, that language, just yeah. whatever. And then after a while, you start learning it. Yeah. So that's how. Well, I know, I know, you, know, I know you know a little bit of Russian. Uh, so I'll say, Bolshoi uh, <laughs> Spasiba. Thank, thank you very much. But really, thank you, Arda. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank, thanks to everybody who tuned in. Thanks for the great questions and comments. Uh, most of all, Arda, thank you for all the beauty and light that you bring into the world. Uh, you, you are proof that even in the darkest, most challenging times, uh, we, can, we can remain hope, we can grow, we can learn. Uh, and we and and that the human spirit is just absolutely resilient and beautiful. And uh, thank you, thank you for your example on all that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for your uh, words. And the same goes to you. And this exchange has been really uh, wonderful and soul fulfilling. Right. And we're gonna we're gonna try and continue the conversation um, after we go off of uh, the, the live broadcast. And and uh, there's so much more that I, that I want to talk about. But I want to just remind everybody to check out Gangs of London as well. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the orbital perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable. 
and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space. <laughs>